You are listening to the, which podcast is this again, Rebecca? The St. Louis Red Army. The St. Louis Red Army All right. Hello. You got me say hello. Oh, man. I love that scene in, uh, in Coach Beard's episode of Ted Lasso, guys. But, but we can't start with Ted Lasso. There's too much good. Uh, we, we are going to start, though, with the St. Louis Red Army podcast. I'm your host, Red Oldham. And we got PK. How you doing, PK, in the house? Uh, I'm doing well, doing well, Rhett. Say that five times fast. <laughs> good evening, uh, yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and the man. The myth, the legend, Ryan Kazat. Ryan, how's it going, my brother? Not too bad. How y'all doing? All right. Sounds good, guys. A lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about West Ham, duh. All right. We have two West Hams. All right. And so we'll be talking about Villa next week. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Ted Lasso. And then we got some interesting things going on uh, in, in the, the premiership and the championship. We're also going to look at next year and how that schedule is going to look in the 22-23 season. So let's start off, guys, with the hammers. This sucks. Okay, so let's start this off. Uh, Let's get your first impressions, Ryan. What did you think of our uh, Carabao Cup loss to the Hammers 1-0? Give me your overall impression, your elevator pitch. Well, when I saw our lineup, I was pretty pleased that we had changed everybody because the Carabao Cup is usually about giving not only young guys minutes and also guys just don't get that much time on the pitch minutes and then classics like Juan Mata. So I was pretty excited to watch the match. Uh, It's a crazy time at work, so didn't get to watch it, although I did get to watch it at home. And I was like, well, this should be in the bag since David Moyes changed 10 of his guys from our last meeting. And, well, we saw the rest. 27 shots on goal that we had, six found their target okay, but absolutely nobody stood out besides Jesse Lingard. Wow. PK, what's your initial thoughts on the Hammer game? I I thought the Carabao Cup, I think, is kind of the NIT of English tournaments where it's, you know, it'd be nice to get a trophy from it, but it's not imperative to your season. Uh, I thought it was an opportunity for players to step up, and I thought Lingard absolutely did. I thought Donnie V absolutely did. I thought Martial just proved why he needs to go. Um, and I thought oh, Hendo, man, Hendo, man, Hendo had a great game too. Oh yeah, had some great hey, saves. Yeah. That match. Yeah, yeah. His left-handed save late in the game when they had those three quick chances. How he held on to that, I don't know. Um, they should have scored three goals at the end too. I mean, we did have to open up ourselves and go for it, but oh my lord! But my elevator pitch was: it was an audition for some players, and some succeeded, and some failed miserably. Okay, so yeah. let's talk about the successes here. You guys uh, mentioned Messi Lingard. That guy's in form right now, playing, <laughs> you know, playing good football. I like I like seeing that. Uh, uh, did Donnie Vanderbeek do enough to tell Ole, Ole, I got to get a run. I need a run of games. You need to put uh, Fred on the bench. You, you need to quit doing this double pivot with McSauce and let me have a run of games. Let me show what I can do. What do you think, Ryan? Do you think he did enough? I'm not necessarily convinced that he did enough, but he also didn't do awful either. I mean, 
it's nice to see a guy that deep in the field that can play a ball. Um, there was a really nice moment when Greenwood came on. He played a beautiful ball to him that obviously when Greenwood gets that ball stuck to his left foot, you think puts it away. But he's also not taking very many chances either. But if this performance wasn't going to change Ole's mind, I'm not sure any will. I think he is absolutely stubborn and stuck on McFred in the midfield, which sounds dramatic. It really does, but that may be his undoing in the end. Uh, PK, uh, did we uh, witness today why Maddich is not a full 90-minute player? Uh, he, he still plays a great ball when he wins it, but he just yeah. doesn't have the legs anymore. Um, you know, these are the games that he's on the roster for. And, you know, he had the assist on Sunday as well, but he's still a valuable player to our roster. He still has his bits and pieces. Is he, is he a first 11 pick? No, but is he still a great guy to hang on to just with his, you know, abilities? Absolutely. Until he wants to leave. If he wants to go somewhere else, that's fine. But if he wants to stay, keep him along. Yeah, uh, right. So I don't want to dwell on this a whole lot real quick. So, guys, uh, I'm going to ask you guys both about a, about a couple players and then let's move on from this match because uh, really United was unlucky, I felt like. We did have our chances. We just didn't come through. So, uh, Ryan, let's start off with uh, Alex Tellis. Uh, Alex Tellis coming back from a knock. Did he come back too soon? I don't know about that. I mean, he needed to start a game like this because where else is he going to start? Um, great to see him back on the pitch, first of all. Did he have a tough first 10, 15 minutes? He did. But um, I was glad to see him back on the pitch. Okay. PK, This uh, I don't want to dwell on Martial too long, all right, because I feel like we just get in this uh, bull and gripe session about him. And, and really, it's really a, just a conversation about sixes and sevens. This is, if we, this is what we get from him all the time. Uh he was so promising when he came to the league, and we just thought so much of him. And right now, he just looks like a one-trick pony that cannot put balls away in, in the 18-yard box at any way. No timing, no nothing. I, I'm just so disappointed in how Tony Martial has developed. What, where do you see him? Does he get sold in January? Do we keep him for the rest of the season? What, what are you thinking about him? I, I first and foremost, there, I think there's a lot of players on the selling block, but I think it's going to be on our health issues at the at the midseason mark. Yeah, um, uh, Martial, I think you know he just he, same thing as Lingard. He he needs to go get rejuvenated. He he was a spark plug for us early in his career, and he looks just a little out of sorts. And when you're not getting normal normal playing minutes, it's hard to get into a sync with the guys around you. But his just demeanor, his body language, you know, he's not one that shows a lot of, of emotion. Um, he's kind of he, got resting uh, – he's kind of got resting bitch face, which, you know, I've been accused of that too. But um, <laughs> Hashtag he, understatement. He, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but his demeanor – this is the game where if you're – you know, the, you bring in Sancho, you bring in Ronaldo – Greenwood's, you know, taking your spot. This is a game where you go say, hey, I'm a Manchester United player. And and like many games before this in the last 18 months, he just failed to say he still wants to be here with his actions. And, you know, if if we are able to sell him in January, let's do it. But I don't think he's long for this club. Uh, I will tell you guys this, too. I thought this was interesting. This is what I'll end on. Uh, we've talked about this a lot on the show. The Bundesliga is not the Premier League, and Jaden Sancho is finding that out. 
I think he's still going to be a great player, but there's a big jump up from a, a weekly Bundesliga to the Premier League and the physicality of that. So, no doubt about that. Yeah, no I'm going to end on that. All right, boys, let's go back to the West Ham game uh, over the weekend. And what a just a, a roller coaster of emotions, I'll tell you. Uh, so, but I know we talked about it. People have looked at it a lot now, so I don't want to dwell on it a ton. But I do want to talk about it some. And PK, I want to start with you. David De Gea saves. Noble doesn't warm up. We heard Brawley Darber uh, talk about how great he loves uh, uh, Noble and what he, you know, what he means to West Ham. But boy, I just don't think that was the right move. That may have been the stupidest soccer decision I've seen ever. But also, if he goes out and scores it, he, he's even more their club legend. Right. Um, and we can get into the penalty calls and not calls from that game. But I just I've, – I've never seen a no warm-up, hey, you've been on the bench watching this game for 94 minutes, go tie it for us kind of situation. And uh, <laughs> that's He wasn't David even was... running the sideline, PK. No. He wasn't he even was... warming up. He was sitting on the bench. I uh, – I, I... – I mean, there was a tweet that said David Moyes has finally made a decision to win Manchester United a game, which I read that. I read that. I read that. Kind of, you know, um, it, it was just a bizarre. I, I mean, I've seen goalies go in, and there's goalies that just, that just have a knack for penalty kicks. Right. I was not one of them, clearly, but uh, putting a guy in cold to go hit a twelve, you know, spot kick, twelve yard spot kick, and in, into in spot. Um, and it wasn't God, a good kick either, PK. It wasn't. It wasn't a good p- penalty. No, there's no pace to it. Um, no, Ronaldo no. told De Gea where it was going, and uh, you know it, that should be a save nine times out of ten. And it just it, it was so bizarre to me in that situation where you could have could have been you know stealing points, and, and they did not. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Ryan, we were talking about Jesse Lingard just a moment ago. I really Jesse's goal, by the way, was real class. But Absolutely. I thought the real class was in the celebration and how he was subdued and respected the West Ham fans. Well, he's always going to look back at the time with West Ham as possibly one of his, his greatest moments as far as rejuvenation. Um, we all have to remember the Jesse Lingard that left Manchester United for West Ham. He was got more on the chopping block than Anthony Martial is right, right now. So right. absolute class from Lingard, that's – that's two matches he's come in and have scored just worldlies. No and he doubt. had an assist in the third one. It's true. Got to balance the boys. Got to balance I got to balance. That's right. PK is only just really being stubborn with four, with this four two three one. Is there uh, a better formation for the for the lads or what? You know, oh. I think it's 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 the players he has. Uh, you know, th- there's some coaches that say I'm playing, you know, a three, five, two or whatever it might be. Not saying I did that in high school. Um, and there's other coaches that say, here's the players I have. And here's the system that we're going to play. The four, two, three, one is, is, is super common now. I, you know, I'm partial to the four, four, two, cause I think it gives you more flexibility in situations, but, um, you know, I could see us, you know, we're, we're, we're tied on points at the top of the table. We've only dropped two through the season. Um, you know, the, the, the cup games, the champions league and all that can be in question. 
I, I think to be able to be a functional winning trophy team, you need to be able to play a couple different systems because, you know, if a team knows what's coming at you, they're going to prepare and put people in that, in that position to stop where you're going. Right. So I, I you know, we might be stuck in that four, three, two, one now, and we're just now playing the best soccer under Ole after three seasons. Um, there has to be a plan one a, and there has to be a plan one B. But I certainly don't want him to become the tinker man, you know, where we're tra- t- tweaking formations all the time. Well, and, and but, Josie did that a little bit too. I mean, you, yeah, you didn't yeah. know who was starting and you didn't know what position. You know, we complained about it then, and now we're playing the same thing, and we're still getting complaints. So it can't well, keep anyone happy. Boy, well, it's my thing is if McFred back there, obviously, we know the players we're talking about. If they're there to protect the back four, we're going to open up big time. And transitions like that, even even in the Newcastle game, which you end up winning carefully, we were way opened up. Right. And then we were opened up against them. That's not going to fly against the big boys. Sorry, it's not. And it's not going to win you a championship either. No, I agree, right? But, you know, Ronaldo just continues to find a way. I mean, everybody talks about these tap-in goals, these garbage goals. Uh, boys, we've been talking for a long, long time about how, uh, you, know, here, there's, you know, we have a cross in the box and nobody's there. We have, you know, the, the goalkeeper spills it. Nobody's there. Ronaldo just keeps finding a way, doesn't he, Ryan? The run that he made on that goal was absolute genius. He kept himself offside. He locked eyes with Bruno, and it it was a beautiful thing. And, yeah, he hasn't really scored any World Leagues yet, but they're going to come. But there's only so many guys in the entire world who can make runs like Ronaldo can. And thank God we have them. Otherwise, I think this would be – uh, a lot of different conversations we're having with how the season's going. PK, this should have been uh, probably a 3-2 game instead of a 2-1 game. Uh, yeah, I know there was three times when when uh, Ronaldo went down to the box, but that third one is an obvious call. The, the defender is sticking his leg out. Uh, he, he trips Ronaldo. That Anybody else in the world, that's a penalty, don't you think? Agreed. And it's the whole Ronaldo thing. And you've seen the officiating this year, let more and more go as opposed to other seasons. And, and, you know, I, I've had this conversation, this, I had this years ago about Ronaldo and they're like, you know, he, he, he flops and he complains and he, I'm like, you guys do not realize how much he absolutely gets whacked and it doesn't get called. <coughs> yes. You know, and we saw that on Sunday is, you know, in the referee again with Ronaldo, same player, um, refuses to give a penalty, and yes, he 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 does do that. But it, 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 if it's a foul, it's a foul, and that's what VR is designed to protect against the emotional referee calls. Right, and, and we, they that they absolutely win. failed. They yeah, absolutely that, failed at that. They, and, you got to go to the film. You got to go to the film on that. And it, you got to go to the film and someone watching the same play, not in the stadium, listening to the crowd. And that's what VAR is designed to do. Right. As much as it is to, you know, tell what toenails offsides, it's to pull the emotion out of that call. And first one, I'll give it to them. You know, maybe it's not a penalty. Two and three. And then, you know, they go down the other way and give one for a, 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 a cross that's two feet away. Accidental handball. Accidental handball. That's right. Which, you know, in that position, that that's, you know, not, a, not an expected position. But for him to keep his balance and defend in that position, that's where his hand has to be. He can't, you can't defend with your arms by your side and behind you. You're not right. agile. You can't keep balance. So that's where the most – yeah, that's just a ridiculous rule well, it's getting at. And these guys are so damn good. And if you think about it, 
And obviously you have to be real slick and clever, but if you're two and three feet away and they're going to start jumping, hell, you're going to try and aim for his arm. Well, and they had the discussion early last year, and then halfway through the season, they changed their handball rule, which – Right, I, right. Sure. But, I mean, if, if you're going to give a VAR handball on, on Shaw and not even review VAR on the, on the penalty, you know, a minute and a half prior, that's a joke. That's a misuse of why VAR is there. And as frustrated as I've been about VAR, VAR is designed to get the emotion out of the call and then uh, off, uh, out of a penalty call. A clear and obvious mistake. Right. And it, it absolutely failed. You know, the second time, sure. First time, yeah. Third time was an absolute failure. 100%. No, no doubt. Okay, so boys, uh, last thing I want, and I want to ask both of you guys. If Lindelof had played as badly as Slamhead did in this match, supporters would have been just, just out of their mind. But I think because of who McGuire is, he gets a pass. Don't you think, Ryan? Well, a little bit too, since he's a little more consistent than he's earned. Lindelof had been yeah, yeah. going into the last season. Well, let's, guys, let's not forget. I mean, Lindelof came to this club and he did very well. He was most definitely what he what we needed. But um, towards the end of the season, glaring mistakes. But I fault all four defenders for that last match because they all made glaring mistakes. Most most definitely. All well, right. and you saw a lot late too. Just just the errant passes between him and Varane, and it, it you know those are those are concentration fatigue misses. Right. And, right. And you know none of those guys started today, which you know maybe they did need a break, which is you know scary this early in the season because we haven't really played a lot of these games, but you know that that's where we are. No doubt. Next match, guys, is Aston Villa. Uh, this portion of the show, by the way, guys, is sponsored by Moto Mortgage, where service is king, and that ain't no mofo. All right, so I'm just... <laughs> okay. I, I, gotta the show. Compl- I gotta check the compliance on that yeah. one, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. All right, so uh, I know a guy. I know a guy. Uh, Aston Villa. <laughs> Aston Villa. They're 10th on the table right now, guys. They, they have a two wins, one draws, two defeats. Uh, just put Everton to the sword, 3-0. Uh, got, got some familiar faces, PK, coming back. Don't we? I love Ashley Young. He was one of my favorite players, getting up and down the wing. He uh, he reminds me of Luke Shaw. I think he was a little bit faster than Luke Shaw, a little more dynamic. Oh, yeah. But, man, oh, yeah. he uh, he was fun to watch in the day. I can't. He's still around. It. He's not in the MLS or anything. I'm shocked. <laughs> Just waiting for SCLSC to give him the call, baby. There we go, baby. There that's go. right. That's right, man. Put him in the, in the pink and blue arms or Cardinal Red or whatever the heck that's called. Uh, St. Louis pink, Red, City Red. I don't it's, know. Pink, it's pink and blue, man. So anyway, I love it. I love it. Yeah, okay, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, Axel Tuanzab is not going to – can't play, of course, because of the uh, – uh, uh, the transfer rules, but uh, uh, Ryan, they have a lethal one-two combination up front. Actually, one-two-three, but the one-two and engine Leon Bailey look pretty tough, don't they? Well, Leon Bailey, yeah. The, well, here's the biggest surprise. He hasn't started one game, but he's come on three times. He already has a goal and assist. And yeah. Danny Ings, you know, hell, I got him on my Premier League team um, for the fantasy. Two goals, two assists. He's always dangerous. Um, they've got that new midfielder, the Argentinian. Can't really pronounce his name, but Wende was kind of looking into him. Um, he's already got a goal to his name. So, guys, they know where they're coming. They know what they're playing up against, and they're going to give us hell. Uh, PK, I also feel like that uh, that McGinn 
we looked at him, or, uh, I guess, last year or the year before. That kid's a solid player as well. And then it's uh, Buendia, I believe is how you pronounce that guy's name, from Norwich. Boy, he's had a nice start to the season, hasn't he? They have. I mean, they're in, as Ryan said, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of it's gonna be kind of a replay of last week, yes. where you have a yeah, lot yes. of young guys that are gonna want to make a difference. Um, I think the way we're playing with the you know we have most of our attack within the eighteen yard box with the wings attacking as well. Um, it kind of shades them from playing that packed in, but they got a lot of young players that you know, haven't made their mark in the EPL. And I, I think they, you know, a winner or a draw against United would be, you know, a, a, something to write home to mom about. Most so definitely. It, I think it's going to be a replay last week, the same game that we saw last weekend. You know, I can't believe here, Ollie Watkins had such a great year last year, and they just recruited over his head. I mean, they said, hey, hey Ollie, we appreciate you coming up for, over from Brentford, but Leon Bailey, we can get him. We get Danny Inge, and, uh, man, you're going to be coming off the bench, and you're going to be our super sub. Man, I tell you, that it's really surprising when you have a player of that quality sitting on the bench uh, with a player like Aston Villa or with there's a team no, like Aston Villa. There's no loyalty in football. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So Tyrone Mings, uh, Mings in the back, a uh, big presence. Uh, he's going to be trouble uh, on set corner pieces. But uh, United seem to have got that sorted out with their new uh, – Set piece specialist Shh. manager. So uh, I, I know. <laughs> knock on wood. Knock on wood. I tell you. That's true. All right. I hear you. All right, boys. <laughs> next, next, next round. Ted Lasso. Ho ho, man. I, I had to start this with spoilers. I got a text message from a loyal listener yesterday, two days ago. He's okay. like, "You guys don't say spoilers in front of Ted Lasso." I'm like, "Well, keep up. It is a weekly segment." Sorry, Dan. Deal with it. <laughs> Heard off I got listening this week. I kind of like my routine, man. I mean, I always wake up. I'm just, I'm already an old man, probably about 80 at heart, but I wake up 4.45, 5 a.m. every morning. Now you sit for like an hour and do nothing. It's like, oh, no kidding, but it's like, hell, I'm turning on Ted Lasso. So that was, uh, that was quite the treat for early Friday morning. I want those pants. I want the pants, boys. <laughs> he wore them to the Emmys. I want the pants. I do. It's the party I, pants. I got a buddy. He's, he wears like a party shirt. Those are his party pants. I felt like that the 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 bit where Jeremy, Baz, and Paul, you know, they they're partying with Beard, but then he gives him the address and says, "Just just give this note to him." And they actually got to go on the pitch. That was great. Yeah. Is that is that the ultimate fan experience? STL SC people, if you're hearing me right now. I'm letting you know the us these three guys on the pod right here. These three guys, we want that note. We want to be able to sneak in to the to the Ralston Perina Stadium and we want to be banging goals in at night or early morning after an all night bender, baby. I'm just you letting know you know right now. I, I still might figure that out. If we gotta put Rhett in golden pants to get that done, I wanna make him put on golden pants. Uh, Shoot. I, I, I think you have to make me do, do squat. That. I'm there, baby. <laughs> So, uh, so the uh, academic can be maybe look go look at uh, Homer's The Odyssey, all right. And there's a lot of similarities. There really is. And so, uh, there's, and I'm not going to bore you with all of it, but it's, it was really really neat. I didn't particularly care for the episode overall. Uh, PK, if you gave it a scale of one to five, where would you put this particular episode? I thought it was a four. I thought it it just it it, it was Coach Beard's episode. And he's so it's got to so, be weird, right? <laughs> he's so wonderfully odd. Yeah. And you got a yeah. bigger, like, insight. But he's 
such a good hearted person. Wouldn't he, you know, he, he does the whole, I taught it Oxford thing with, with those guys playing. Oh, that's pool. perfect. That was perfect. And he's like, yes. I was on the rowing team. And he goes into detail about that rowing match or race, whatever they call it. It's like, and like, he just rewards those guys for being fans. They were like some of the first people they met when they were over there. He's like, I'm getting lit. You guys are coming with me and I'll pay for it all. Like that, that's, that's so cool. It, you know, I was worried it was going to go down a dark path, but he was like, no, I need to go enjoy the people that enjoy the sport and I'm going to take them on an adventure. And he went on an adventure. It was good. It was bad. And, and it was, it was wonderfully awkward. Coach Beard. If, if coach Beard could get an episode, I wanted that to be it. And it was one of those two episodes that they filmed extra after right. the season. Right. Um, so it didn't really do too much with the plot. And, but it was, uh, it was damn fun. It was, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, this is a this is a Coach Beard. This is a Coach Beard episode. This is not an episode of Ted Lasso. This is an episode of Coach. It's a nice Beard. break. It was a nice break. Yeah, just yeah. kind of from everything. That's that's after what the I emotion. Kind of yeah, after the yes, emotional last episode. Yeah, right. You know, uh, you, you get done and, with that episode. You're like, what the hell did I just watch? But it was a nice break. And you know, I, I have read on the forums and stuff. They people don't like this. Don't like the Christmas episode. What people don't realize is in England, every television show. On it, British television has a Christmas episode. It's mm-hmm. just it's just what it is, and that's so it wasn't totally out of character. So, all right, boys, Emmy time, Emmy time, and the winner is Ted Lasso. <laughs> I'm telling you, oh my you, god, they cleaned uh, up. I mean, uh, Apple cleaned up. They had 11 Emmys, but uh, I believe that they had what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins, seven wins. And uh, so, Ryan, I got to start with you on this one. Brett Goldstein's acceptance speech could be one of the best (laughs) acceptance speeches ever, don't you think? Well, more importantly, first of all, it's the first time I watched the Emmys in a long time, and it was kind of cool, Cedric the Entertainer hosting, so it made it a little bit more um, palatable. St. Louis. Yeah, that's right. Um, No, if you guys go out there, I forgot what it was on. I I guess it was probably on Twitter, but they have the uncensored version, which is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> which is yeah, so it's it's pretty awesome. So um, yeah, yeah, you guys are out there. I'm I'm sure it's on YouTube or anything like that. But yeah, even more than his speech, it was just like my God. Every time they were up, I was almost jumping for joy every time Ted Lasso won. I know it was, it was like like my friends were winning. That's how I felt like right. really, I yeah. really did. Mm-hmm. And P, PK that uh, Hannah Waddington speech, boy, that was. That was something special, wasn't it? Or Waddingham. I mean, it, uh, well, you know, how she how she thanked people and how I felt it was so genuine. What a gorgeous well, woman. It, oh, I well, know. And, yeah, yeah. You know, just glowing shame. that night. Just glowing. Shame. Shame. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it, and the beautiful part about watching all of them win was their absolute adoration of each other. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and this show came out in the pandemic where we all needed that. And and we kind of feel like, you know, Ted Lasso, the guys that saw the sketch from six, seven years ago, you know, we heard about the show was getting made and we're like, oh, I don't know. And it came out and it was just this gem and just watching them support each other that way, too. We, you know, I, I this is nerdy, but I felt like, you know, I was part of the cast saying I supported you guys in the show as well. And I'm so happy to see it doing so well. And yeah. it, it, it it's truly a great show. And this is maybe me going on a tangent of how much the show means to me. And it just hit everyone at a perfect time. But, you know, just watching them support each other on stage, you know, winning that, 
it, 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 genuinely like you know yeah, and, and you know Hannah <coughs> Weddingham was more excited for to win that award for Jason Sudeikis than to win it for herself. Yeah, you know. So and that 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 was a cool part of me. I you know I, I had a hockey game that night, so I was kind of following on Twitter where I was you know having my pregame vodka Red Bulls and 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 going to the game, but. Um, you know, watching the speeches the next day, you know, it was, they were more happy for each other than, than they were for themselves. And that's, that's when, you know, you got a good thing cooking, uh, to wrap things up, outstanding comedy series, outstanding lead actor, Jason Sudeikis, outstanding supporting actor, uh, Brett Goldstein, supporting actress, Hannah Waddingham, outstanding sound mixing for a comedy, uh, outstanding single camera picture editing and outstanding cast for a comedy series. So pretty cool stuff there. Okay. Guys, got a couple of things I want to talk about here. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the things, you know, that we have said on the show is the ownership of Manchester United and how, you know, that, that's been well documented. But one of the things that I really like about them now, they've listened to the fans. They've had some great signings. But, Ryan, did you notice now that the character training complex is undergoing a facelift and that is much needed? Uh, I the nerd in me, I, I can't think of what year it opened, but it's. I don't think they've had an upgrade since then. No, so I, don't think so I mean, ab- yeah. absolutely. And here's the big thing, too, guys. We've seen what City did right across the street. I mean, they have an absolute world class facility that, unfortunately, kind of makes ours look like a third world country. So that's only with the upgrades to Old Trafford and all the repairs that need Much to go. Needed. Yep. Um, the training ground really needed a facelift as well. So, you know, kudos. Yeah, we're re- really, really happy to see that. If you're gonna be, and, and by the way, we lost uh, our head women's coach. We lost some really, really good uh, players uh, for Manchester United's women's team because they were training in just a cow pasture, and they're like, no, we're not doing this. So they're, they're committing to the women's side as well. Uh, PK, this story going on with Darby County is a sad, sad tale. And our Manchester United legend Wayne Rooney is right in the middle of it. Yeah, it, it's 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 football gone bad, but it's also football post COVID um, with an already struggling team. And, and Rooney's out there; he's paying for the away hotels when they travel. Yeah. I mean, he's going to see this see at least this season out, you know, through. I don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but. You know, kudos to him. Besides, you know, injuring his midfielder in practice, but uh, <laughs> but kudos to him to you know sticking up, you know, taking the job and you know seeing it through no matter what. I, I think that's that speaks a lot to his character that we always saw out of him when he was wearing United mm-hmm. jersey. Um, you know, he could wrap up and say, "I'm not dealing with this," but no, he said, you know, he's he's digging out of his pocket to make sure they get through this season, which um, I'm sure will reward him down the line. But man, that's that's just Wayne Rooney for you. I think so too. It really shows a lot of character. I think he ought to just get the old band back together. You know, call Nani and say, "Hey, come on over here, babe. I need somebody to bang in some goals." <laughs> you know, uh, you know, call call Skolzy and say, "Hey, Skolzy, man, let's lace them up a little bit, babe." You know, come on, yeah. come on back and help us out. You know, they're I scared mean, to I- train with them. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's great. that's right, man. I know, I know, man. That's pretty crazy stuff. So, uh, all right. Last thing I want to talk about here, and it might be a little bit of a tangent, but I just saw this graphic. Oh, the 2022-2023 season. This is, you know, we're going to have the World Cup, not in the summertime. Hashtag dumbest ever. All right, thank you, FIFA. 
I when you look at this schedule, this is beyond ridiculous. I mean, I'll tell you, I, and I want to get your guys' uh, uh, thoughts on this because we're going to see some serious injuries to some great players. Mark my words. When you start looking at this schedule, this is ridiculous. Ryan, we're going to start the season a week early, August 6th. Right away, man, any kind of like uh, friendlies are going to be uh, constricted. Any type of traveling for uh, a country, you know, to prepare for FIFA. This is a mess, don't you think? Well, the, the complications of this, it's, it's endless. And yeah. let's not all forget the, the brave men who died building this as well no doubt um, I, I don't think that's really been a news story for quite a while but let's let's not sweep that away just to think how first of all ridiculous all that is and then let's say let's put this on the winter which is it's not only screwing england obviously it's screwing the entire season zero although you yeah the euros it's yeah. it's horrible yeah. what's even yeah. worse and i you know i want to move ahead but them also now talking of having a World Cup every two years. Oh, it's my. it's that's just that, that's a different nonsense. Yeah, it's, ball. That's it's beyond, absolute. Yeah. It's it's absolute money grabs. It's the same, you know. Excuse me, bullshit of the Super League still not going away. That it's just now going to come back over another name, and this is just as egre- egregious. Shame on FIFA. Absolute shame on FIFA. So PK, well, it says here they're going to have a six week break from November thirteenth until Boxing Day for the World Cup. Do you mean to tell me that in, in, in England, they are not going to have Boxing Day with all the clubs playing on that day? Or is that going to well, be the first game back after they've all a, been gone on World Cup? That's ridiculous, man. Well, in, in, so Boxing Day is now your season opener. Kind you of. Know, you're going to play two more. You're going to play seven games. And then get a six week break. So let's how many weeks is that? Is August, half of August, so that's two. Yeah. September, that's six. October, that's Say ten. Six. Yeah, yeah. Get so, one more in November. So you're eleven games in out of 30, 38. So you're gonna play twenty seven games in five months. After that, and boxing day is gonna be your pretty much your season opener, depending on how your schedule is. And I and it's it's one for the player's safety. You have if you're playing in Qatar, you have to play in December. Yeah, there's no yeah. no way you you know when you, when you want to talk about players injured, you can't play summer. I remember watching this decision in 2010, and the announcers were literally saying before the announcement, "Well, the the Qatar people look pretty happy. They're celebrating with the FIFA people, but we haven't heard an announcement yet." Yeah, well, and, yeah. and you know, and I think there's going to be a lot of trickle down. And Ryan brought up a great point here which is getting brushed around the, you know, there are people going to work on those stadiums that were sending money back to their family and the money just stopped coming back to them. It wasn't, Hey, so, you know, the, the patriarch of your family has passed. The money just stopped coming to their right. family. And right. they assume. <laughs> so, you know, it, there, there has to be some sort of, and there won't be cause it's FIFA and they have more yeah. money than God, but just, it's going to be a despicable world cup to watch and it's disrupting all soccer um, it's, it, it just, sounds horrible to say it really, really does. And I, I wish no harm on any innocent people, but it'd be really cool if like there was a COVID problem just around that time and they couldn't play it over there. Boy. Well, you know, the thing is for me, and there's a couple, I want to, you know, in with this, 
Uh, FA Cup is June 3rd. Champions League final, final June 10th. That's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. That's you know, the guys, thing. PK yeah, but, went through all the Premier League games. Well, think of all the Champions League, the Carabao Cup. Well, and cha- Champions Cup, League typically put the, doesn't put all those in there. Yeah, there's not a lot of Champions League play in, in November or December. So, and I, I think, I think that gap is how they got UEFA not to really give too much. I mean, when I looked at that originally, what if UEFA said, you know what, we're, there's so much money in our Champions League and our domestic leagues, we're going to skip this World Cup. Yeah. UEFA is the UEFA is the SEC of of FIFA. <laughs> it, oh, is. Not even you, close. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, not even close. You know they they could break away, and uh, FIFA would take a huge dent, and I think UEFA would be just fine. Same as the SEC from the NCAA, and I I, I fully predict the SEC is going to say the college sports NCAA like no, we're going to do our own thing. Well, but that's a that's a that's a different, different podcast, story. different conversation. <laughs> no doubt, but but uh, boys, I'll end with this because uh, we're, we're running out of time here. In fact, we're we're over, of course, like we always are. But uh, I'll, you know, I look forward every four years to going to the dam in June and just just totally immersing myself in world culture. Because if you don't know that St. Louis is a cosmopolitan city before, go to the Amsterdam during the World Cup and oh you see God. every country represented with somebody there. And it's just such a fun atmosphere. And I'm really going to miss that. I am. I'll tell you. It, it's a blast. It, it, I, the 2014 World Cup, I, I was oh, working wow. for a company and I, I go, yeah, I got to leave at noon. And they go, well, the game's not till four. I go, yeah, if I'm not there by 12.01, I'm not getting in for the game. You don't get in. You don't get in. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. okay. No doubt. Good times. So, I tell you. All right, boys, and there's the sound of Manchester's own Stone Road. Letting us know that we're at the end of our show. I'm your host, Red Oldham, along with the rest of the crew, Ryan Kazout and PK Patrick Kelly. We'll be back next week with another episode of the St. Louis Red Army Podcast, where we'll break down all things Manchester United. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, glory, glory, and United. Why do English people call it football if they play it with a soccer ball? (laughs) 